is Danielle Walker. I am one of the pastors here at Grace. And um, you get me today. Brian is with his son in Roanoke, Virginia. Um, I do encourage you, if you are uh, male, sorry ladies, um, I know that we have gone into new habits. We are not used to going a lot of places. Maybe you're getting back into that, but I would encourage you to um, register for Stronger Together. That's going to start on June 1st. That's Tuesday, June 1st, and it's in this building at 6 o'clock. Um, it'll be every first Tuesday of the month. So I encourage you that. Um, I also encourage you, if you're a man, this is all announcements today. Um, at the end of August, um, we're having a men's, we, not, um, they're having a men's retreat. Um, it's at the Way Floyd, which I don't remember what state that's in. I think it's up there. So. Um, but you should go to that, too. You should go to that, too. You're going to just share your feelings and cry. I'm just kidding. You're not going to do that. You're not. We're, they're very intentional. They're very intentional not to make you share lots of feelings and cry. So um, I do also want to say, as we enter this time of offering, um, there, as Wes always so beautifully puts it, our, we are living sacrifices, right? So everything about you is meant to be offered in some way to the Lord God. Um, there's ways to give to grace. There's financial ways. There's ways to give of your time, of your energy to our ministry partners. Um, and so in that, I want to remind you or tell you for the first time, if you don't know already, that we have an app. <sighs> I know. We're 2021. Okay, so there's an app called Church Center. And if you go on to Church Center, if you download that app, you, you're like, what are you doing at Grace? I don't know anything of what you're doing. You don't tell me what you're doing. If you go to the app, you'd see all the events. You can register there. You can, we have a directory. You're like, I always need someone's number, and I never know where to get it. It's on the app. It's a button that says directory, and then you have all the people. Um, you can give through the app. You can do all kinds of things through the app. That's my technology plug for today. Get the app. It's called Church Center. Okay. Um, so today, we are in John 4 again. And we'll be here for a while. Um, and we're in verse 27 through verse 38. Let's go ahead and read it. Um, and then I'm going to pray because I think that's good to do. Okay. So if you have your Bibles, open them up. There's power in that. If you open up the Word, there's really power in that. Even on your Bible app. There is power in that. So, um, verse 27 of John chapter 4. It says, Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, What do you want? Or, Why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and they made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? But I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe 
for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower may be glad together. Thus saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Lord God, all of our hearts are different. All of our minds, all of our personalities, all of who we are. But as Wes said up here, you, you like us. You, you like each of us. And you, you speak, your spirit speaks into each of our hearts in only a way that you can because you speak the language of all of us. In those innermost depths of what's going on in me, of what's going on in each listener here. So we pray in this time that your word would reap something in us, in each of us. Your Holy Spirit is moving, it's hovering, it's doing the work. It's going about the earth looking for the faithful ones. May we be faithful to your word today. May you speak in only a way that we can hear what you're saying to us and pause all the other things distracting our minds so that we can hear your word in spirit, in truth. And it is in your glorious son, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. So in John chapter 3, we saw a religious man, and his name was Nicodemus, a very smart man, very educated man. However, with Jesus, he gets real confused um, because Jesus says to him, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And this prominent Pharisee says, surely you don't mean I'm supposed to crawl back into my mom. Jesus is like, Oh, no, think bigger. We're thinking bigger. Okay, we're not thinking literally here. So last week we saw Jesus, and we saw him initiate a conversation with a Samaritan woman, which was a major no-no, by the way. Number one, she was a Samaritan. Uh, Jews would ordinarily have nothing to do with Samaritans because long before this, in their lineage, some Jews had intermarried with some Gentiles, a Gentile is a non-Jew, so most of you Gentile, you're Gentile. So Jews and Gentiles, they intermarried and they had babies, okay? And then so Jews would call Samaritans half-breeds, which is incredibly dehumanizing and degrading. Um, but Jesus initiated a conversation with her, okay? That was craziness on Jesus' part. Um, not only but... For the reason that this Samaritan woman was a woman. She was a woman. Jewish men were not to speak to women in public, much less at a well by themselves in the heat of the day. So we see Jesus last week uh, talk to her about living water. And we see this woman say, where can I get this water? Because like Nicodemus, she's thinking literally, well, give me some water. And he's like, no, no. Bigger. Think bigger. Okay, so today we see in verse 31 and on, the disciples have returned from where she lives, from the town where she is, 
Um, we were told in verse 8 that they went to that town to go and get some food. Um, it's about noon. It's about lunchtime. So that makes sense. Um, and it seems that about the time that they arrived back to Jesus, uh, this conversation between Jesus and the Samaritan woman is wrapping up. And the woman is on fire for the Lord. I don't know how else to say it. I mean, she leaves her water jar, which was her whole purpose for coming to the well. She leaves it, and she runs. She's literally running back to the town from which the disciples just came to tell everyone about this man that she just met. And verse 31, like, like nothing's happened. It's just an ordinary day. Uh, we see that the disciples start to eat. So let's read again verse 31. A couple of verses here. It says, Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Now, just like Nicodemus with the birth canal situation, and just like the Samaritan woman with the water situation, here we have the disciples, and they're thinking literally, right? They're like, who, who brought him food? Like, that's why we just went to the town. Who brought, does, does Jesus have a secret stash of Cheez-Its under his cloak? Like, where, where did the woman give him food? That would be weird. What? Like, but hysterically enough, they're sitting with Jesus, and scripture says they're not asking him. They're, they're like whispering to each other, it says. Um, nobody wants to be the one to ask Jesus the questions, okay? But lucky for them, Jesus is as all-knowing as his Father in heaven, so he's going to answer their question whether they ask him or not. He does that often. So, this is what he says, verse 34. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Now, it's interesting to think about this situation chronologically. Okay, because you know we have four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, and they all walk us through the life, the ministry, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. All four of them. But... Um, no gospel is exactly the same. So, you know, certain gospels have certain things that other gospels don't have. Some of them share. They have similarities. Um, but they're all from four different perspectives, right? So they're going to be a bit different. Um, John, in fact, is very different. Very different from the first three gospels. And John includes many parts of Jesus' ministry that we, that we would not have otherwise. Um, if you look through chronological Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's really fascinating and awesome because it, it mixes it together, right? It's like as best as scholars have been able to do, it uh, puts Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all together um, chronologically in the best time frame. Uh, it's very neat. But chronologically, John 4, though we have been here for a year and a half, John 4 was actually very early. It was very early in the ministry of Jesus. Um, which means that though the Gospel of John doesn't mention it, Matthew and Luke tell us that it was probably not long ago, not long before this, that Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, 
directly after his baptism, was led into the wilderness to be tempted to sin. You remember that? So he goes into the wilderness, and what was that first temptation? Do you remember? Satan said, if you are the Son of God, tempting Jesus to to prove himself, right, to get some pride in him, if you are the Son of God, uh, turn these stones into bread. Now, keep in mind, when this situation happens... Uh, Jesus has not eaten for 40 days. Have you fasted ever for 24 hours? I'm going to need you to do that, and I'm going to need you to tell me how often you think about food, okay? Like, especially towards the end, like when (laughs) the end is coming, okay? So you have Jesus here, and, you know, the disciples and Jesus, as they walk towards Samaria, they probably ate something that morning, probably, uh, maybe, um, night before, for sure. Um, so they're walking. Uh, it's been maybe five or six hours since they ate, or, you know, they, it's normal to be hungry, right? We want our lunch. Um, and so they're like, Jesus, eat something, man. Gosh, we haven't eaten since. <laughs> I just imagine Jesus like, seriously, guys, this is nothing. Like six months ago, it was like 40 days. I really don't need the food. I'm really good. I really, I'm used to this, but he doesn't say that. Um, So when we see Jesus answer Satan in the wilderness, he says, man does not live by bread alone. Now, Jesus is not uh, saying he's gluten-free. He's not saying like, well, we can eat other things other than bread. Jesus is not only, he's quoting a, a passage in Deuteronomy But what Jesus is claiming in that statement is that there is a temporary sustenance to life. And there is an eternal sustenance to life. Temporary food, uh, the food of this world, sustains us, right? It it nourishes us. It keeps us alive. It gives us energy uh, for the day. Does that to a certain extent, but we also don't live by bread alone. Um, what truly sustains us, what truly keeps us alive, we can live for days without food. We can even live for a couple of days without water, but who is the living water? Who is the true bread of life? Who is really the sustainer of all of it? Um, it's the Lord God. We do not live by bread alone. We live by the eternal will of God, the creator and author of life. So as we see over and over in the book of John and in all the other gospels in some way, Jesus is constantly trying to teach his disciples that there's a bigger picture. There's a bigger picture here. Because what we tend to do as humans is we settle for or we live for the things that we see, right? We live for the things that are temporary. And Jesus is trying to get them to think bigger, to think higher, to approach their life with an eternal perspective. Because yes, we live in the here and now. And we live in view of Eternity. It's a both and situation. And what Jesus was so often trying to drill into their heads is that what you do 
What we do here and now, it is affecting our eternity. And in fact, equally important, it is affecting the eternity of others. He's trying to get that into them because the disciples weren't getting that. They weren't getting that yet. The disciples' main focus in that moment of John chapter 4 was what they were eating for lunch. Literally. Um, They're not thinking about any bigger eternal perspective here. Now, we don't fault them for this. We don't. Because first off, um, there's a good chance, chronologically speaking, this is their first journey together. This is one of their first trips as the disciples of Jesus going with Jesus. This is very early on. Jesus has called them. He is just beginning to teach them, to train them in what they are called to do, okay? Second of all, up to this point, obviously the disciples were very used to living day by day. How would they get food for their families? How would their job make ends meet? How would they support their life, okay? But Jesus is going to use every teachable moment he can, right? He's going to use every teachable moment he can. So he takes this opportunity to say, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus' whole mission, his whole purpose, his whole aim was to draw people to himself. To to make himself known as the savior of the world, the rescuer of the world, the Messiah. That was his purpose. That was his mission. He was not going to lose that. And that is the calling of his disciples. Their calling to which they have been called is to make Jesus known to others. To draw people to Jesus. That is their mission. Are they doing that? Or are they just worried about lunch? The disciples at this point haven't been with Jesus for very long. But they have been with Jesus way longer than this woman at the well. We don't know how long this conversation was, you know. She was with him for, what, 30 minutes? We don't know. Um, Those disciples had just been down to the town where she was from. They had just been interacting with the people there so that they could get some lunch. When they returned to Jesus that day, what did they bring with them? Lunch. That was their goal, right? Lunch. That's why we went there. Lunch. And then it says in verse 28, let's read that again. But this was the woman. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town And made their way toward him. The disciples brought back bread. The woman brought back people. 
She brought back people. Which one was fulfilling the mission of Jesus? Which one was doing the calling to which they've been called? These disciples had been with him. They've already seen some miracles. Some of them are already thinking, I think this guy is it. I think this is the Messiah that we have been waiting for. And yet they went to that town, and when they came back, you know what they brought? They brought bread. You know, when Jesus first called Simon Peter, if you remember that story, it's in one of a couple of the Gospels, one specifically, when Jesus first called Simon Peter, it was a miracle story. Um, Simon was a fisherman. That was his livelihood. He fished for fish. He fished for food to support him and his family, to eat them, to sell them. And when Jesus called him, he said to him, come follow me. I will teach you how to fish for people. You won't be worried about fishing for fish anymore, okay? You'll have a bigger purpose. You'll have a bigger mission. And these disciples, they just didn't get that yet because they were still in the mindset of looking for the fish. We need to meet our temporary needs of today rather than using that trip to town as an opportunity to spread the word of who Jesus is, the savior of the world who's right up there on the hill. You can walk to him right now. Obviously, the people were very open to that. And while Jesus is talking to the disciples in that teachable moment, and they're confused about Cheez-Its or whatever he's talking about, out from this town, led by this outcast woman, came this crowd of people yearning to see who this man up the hill might be. In fact, Jesus says at the end here in verse 38 and 39, he says to the disciples, I sent you to reap that. I sent you to reap that. I sent you into that town and you didn't reap it because all you were thinking about was lunch. But then this woman, ironically, who the disciples we see were whispering about, who is that? What? Why? They were so confused about, they now get to watch the fruit of her labor. And Jesus says in this passage, he says, I'm glad that you get to see this unfold. That's going to be a blessing to you. I'm glad you're about to see what's going to happen. But let me just tell you, you need to know you were supposed to be a part of that. That could have been you. Jesus, the Messiah, has a work. He has a work set aside for you. He has a work set aside for you to do. If you are his disciple, if you are a follower of him, Jesus Christ gives you a work. If you don't do it, he'll get somebody else to do it. You're not going to stop God from accomplishing what he wants to accomplish. We don't get in God's way. 
God is going to get done what he wants done. He's going to finish his work. And did he already has in a lot of ways. You're not, you're not going to thwart him or mess him up. But we all need to know that he's going to get it done with or without you. He's going to get it done with or without me. With or without me. But oh, how I don't want him to. Oh, how I don't want him to do it without me. How I want to be a part of that. How I want you to be a part of that. But if we concern ourselves with the temporary, if we get all caught up, which we do, we all do, if we simply wish to hold on to our lives, right, and our routines and and our time and our money and our desires, and this is my life, we're going to miss it. We're going to miss the eternal We're going to miss the big picture. I don't want to miss it. I don't want you to miss it. I don't want any of us to miss the work that the Lord God has for us. Because here's the beautiful thing we have to remember about discipleship, about being a faithful disciple. The work that the Lord God has given to you for you to do, it is right in front of you. As we see all through John, uh, we live in a world of here and now, and we live in a world that has an eternal perspective of eternity. But here's the thing. Jesus knows that we have to eat. He knows that. He's not asking us to go 40 days. Jesus knows that we have to eat. Jesus knows that 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 town down there has food for us, guys. It has food for you. Go get it. It's almost lunchtime. Go get it. However... While you're there, disciples, getting the temporary things that you need for your life, for your day, don't forget to also point people to the sustainer of all of it, to the sustainer of all things. Your job is to draw people in the temporary world, draw people to the bigger picture. That is the eternal perspective that we are called to have. So you, so you, me, we have a lot to do in life, right? We got a lot to do. I know many of you, you're very busy. You have very busy lives. You all have temporary needs that we need to have met. We have, I just told my husband, Thomas, the other day, I said, There are some times that it feels like so much of my energy goes into thinking about dinner, about what, like, it has to happen every night. I have two children, and they just want to eat. They just want to eat. They want to snack. They want to have three meals. And and I just feel like so much of my time is wrapped up in that. And all of us have that. All of us have these temporary earthly stuff that we think about, right? We think about our jobs and our to-do lists and all of these places our kids have to go and all of these things we, places we have to go and all of that. We can get very wrapped up, very wrapped up in the temporary, in the extracurriculars of today, um, which often causes our spiritual life Thinking on the things of eternity, 
it, it often makes us scrunch that into here. I'm going to just scrunch it into the hours I have here. I'm just going to scrunch that into like a song that I hear on the radio. That was a good song. Yeah, that was my worship for today. Yes. Um, but all the other times of the day, we're thinking about our bread. That's what we're thinking about. But here's the thing. There is a thin veil. There's a thin veil between heaven and earth. And there should be no separation. Absolutely none. Because as followers of Christ, we have the spirit of the living God hovering around us, within us, helping us live and move and have our being. And if that is true, if we have the Spirit of God living within us, then everything that we do is spiritual. Everything is spiritual. Everything has spiritual significance. And that's how it's supposed to be. Jesus wanted the disciples to realize that. What Jesus was trying to get the disciples to realize was that his desire was not only to meet our temporary needs. He wants to do those things, to meet those temporary needs, but he wants to use those as an opportunity to spread his name. And one of the beautiful things about Jesus is how he takes the common, he takes the ordinary, the mundane parts of life. He takes those, and you know what he does? He turns them and he makes them sacred. He makes them a beautiful offering. We are called to take all those things of our life and, and lay them at his feet and say, Lord, this is what I have to do today. This is life. This is what I have to do today. Please show me how I can look at it through a lens of drawing people to you. Because that is my mission. Please show me how I can turn my common and temporary and ordinary into something for your eternal purposes. You know, that's what Jesus does at that last meal, that last meal with his, uh, his followers, right? He took common bread. He took that common juice, wine, cup, and he, he transformed it. He, he gave it an eternal significance that we still in 2021 Next week, celebrate together. He makes it powerful and beautiful and bigger. So your things, my things in life, how might you approach those things with an eternal perspective, not just an earthly one? For instance, um, living with an eternal perspective might mean uh, that our living rooms aren't just about how, you know, I love these curtains and the couch. They don't really go together. What can I do about I mean, it's, our living room doesn't become about aesthetically pleasing, right? It may, we may love that. We may love that area of life and design, but at the same time we can go, but how can I take this space and I can use it for something bigger? 
I'm not saying everybody has a small group in their living room. That's not what I'm saying. You do a lot of things in your living room. Like, how can you take your living room, how can you take this area, that area of your life and say, but what could I do bigger? God, what, what is it? What do you want me to do with this? Or our job. Our job becomes not just how we make a paycheck, how we sustain our way of living in some way. Instead, our job becomes, Lord God, how can I, in my job, in these, with these coworkers, with the people I come into contact with every day, how can I point them to you while I'm meeting their temporary needs? How can I do that? Just, just show me a little bit. Give me a little bit here. And we pray that. Our hobbies, our hobbies, uh, some of you don't have time for hobbies because you have kids and so you have extracurriculars. So you're going and going and you're doing and all of these things. You have school, you have all of this. It's not just about, well, I want my kids to be socialized. I want my kids to feel good at something. I want, you know, I want, my, I want us to have something to do together. It becomes instead, Lord God, help me figure out how to use this time to make disciples of my children. How do I use this time to support them and love them and pour into them or pour into my spouse, or pour into my friends, pour into that network of people, and be there for them. Like, really, they're not just like a presence, but just a a presence with them. Parents are the number one disciple makers in their children's lives. We have to take that so seriously to look at all of those things and go, the goal is Christ-centered way. How can I point them to you while doing what needs to be done, right? If we live as people sent on a mission, which we are, if we live like that and we look at everything through that lens, then, then we're never bored. We never run out of things to do because everything is important. A trip to the store is, could be game changer. I mean, it's just, you never know. You gotta stay on your toes. Everything is exciting because it could be proclaiming the kingdom of God. Now, spoiler alert the disciples left. I don't know if you all knew that. Just, you know, we're in John 4, but it's coming. The disciples learn it. Okay, they get it. A while after this, we have um, several accounts of Jesus, and he is empowering not just these 12. He's empowering like 60 others, more than that sometimes, to venture into all these cities. Go. Go into these cities. Don't take food with you. In fact, don't even take money with you. You don't even have money to buy the food. Eh. But they're like, we're going to trust him. We've learned to trust him. All the temporary needs, they're going to be met. And they go into those cities with that sole purpose of accomplishing the mission that is theirs. And crowds and crowds are drawn to Jesus during that time because they're fishing for people. They got it. In fact, a bit after this, after, um, after Jesus' death and his resurrection and his ascension, we see Peter and we see John, this John, this author John. We see Peter and John in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 3, we see them walking to the temple to pray. 
which was what they did, um, very often, and they see this beggar on the road, and scripture says that this beggar asks them for money. He's asking everybody for money. And Peter looks at him and says, look at us. Look at us. You think we got money? We don't have money. Who are you asking? But he says, he says, look at us. We don't have silver or gold. We don't have those things. But what we do have, we give to you. And in that moment, that beggar got what he needed, thought what he needed was temporary, and what he got was eternal. He got the eternal in that moment, and they declared Jesus to him right there. It was that moment of time. May we approach all things with that sole desire to work for the Lord in the way that he has sent us. Because he has sent you. May I be faithful. May we be faithful to his work. Because I promise you, he will prove faithful. All those temporary things, you'll drop the water jars, I'm telling you. You'll drop it. Because you'll be focused on something else that is forever. Please join me as we pray. Lord God, your word fails to speak to us. If we dig into it, if we seek it out, if we open it and we say, Lord God, what do you want to say? Like, where do you want to connect your with my moment? Faithful to that. Never returns empty. Lord, forgive us for giving our time to your word because it is the bread of life. It is the living water. It shows us Lord God, wherever each one of us finds ourselves this week, so much, so much things, so, so many things to do, when we're in line at Target, when we're in our car, when we're um, doing our job, when we're taking care of the mundane things, when we're washing the dishes, whatever we're doing, Lord God, may we feel that spirit within us nudge us to say, hey, hey, how could you maybe focus this on the bigger picture? How could you maybe take it to be teachable and to learn and to think on who you are? Lord God, that's what we want. That word discipleship, Lord, is very big and it's very intimidating to us. But Lord God, you were showing them in that moment that it's actually, it's not that big. It's you living out your faith by just saying some things, pointing people to the truth in our everyday lives. But Lord God, it starts with us. We have to be authentic people. We have to know where we stand with you. We have to know how we really feel about you and where our belief lies in you. But when we are, when we are firm on that, when we are firm on who you are, it will start to come out of us. We won't be able to help it. May we be faithful disciples, living sent on a mission and may we trust you for all the other stuff because it's just stuff but your word is eternal and it is in your glorious son jesus 
the Christ that we pray. Amen.